his property just right over here. Um, and uh, the, the rules, you know, are what they are and, and that kind of thing. And um, we we're going to get to hunt on Friday and then Ted was going to come and spend the whole day with us on Saturday. And it's only slot for 14 hunters, so the first 14 to sign up get in, and, and we got in. So it was fun. Uh, and, and anticipation for that since Christmas uh, to go and um, uh, do that. Now, if, if uh, Juliana, she asked me this morning, she's like, so who, who is this Ted Nugent guy, right? Like, um, and I say, you're not, you're, it's understandable that you don't know who he is. But, you know, uh, for some of you who are a little older than me, uh, obviously, uh, you, you may or may not know of the fame of Ted Nugent as a uh, late 60s, uh, 70s rock and roll guy, uh, Motor City Mad Dog, or whoever he was, right? Um, uh, Ted is crazy. Uh, he's always been that way. But he's 73 years old now. And he shared with us yesterday, he said, I, I want you to know something. He said, I've been clean and sober for 73 years. He said, in all my rock and roll days, I loved music and bow hunting. I've been bow hunting since I was five years old. And he said, I never could fathom for the moment those guys who we would play with, Jimi Hendrix and, and all of these popular rock and roll guys that they would play with, and he shared a little bit about how they would be, uh, you know, so out of their mind on drugs that they couldn't even play their own music. And he said, I loved the music, and I wanted the music to tell a story. I wanted to experience the music, and, and I couldn't fathom why I would take anything or drink anything that would take that away from me. I wanted to bow hunt, and I wanted to play music. And so I would talk to guys like Jimi Hendrix and John Belushi and those guys and say, those drugs are going to kill you. And he said they wouldn't listen to me. He said, now, just because I didn't drink and do drugs doesn't mean I do crazy stuff. And he said, I have a lifetime of that, but I want to tell you a story. And so he began to tell us a story about Fred Bear. Now, any bow hunter in here is going to know a man by the name of Fred Bear spent his life designing and building bows and hunting with bows and arrow. And he's a very famous man in the outdoors world and those type of things. And uh, at a young age, Ted Nugent, his dad and Fred Bear were friends. And so Ted... Nugent got to hang out with Fred Bear his whole life because Ted was a bow hunter, loved bow hunting, and, and uh, Fred Bear is a, a bow hunting guy. And so we spent the whole day with uh, Ted Nugent. Nothing was off the table. You could ask him anything. Now, you've got to understand Ted Nugent is Ted Nugent. His language is a little colorful. Let's say this, Ted, his language is a lot colorful. Um, and so people would ask questions. He would talk one-on-one -on -one all, all day yesterday. And the guides who told us said, it, it, on Saturday, if Ted brings his guitar out, you cannot videotape. You can take pictures, but there cannot be any videoing. 
And he says, we want you to understand that if Ted Nugent brings his guitar out and he wants to play some music for you, you should probably, as 14 hunters, enjoy your private concert. Put your phone down, don't talk, listen, and let him play his guitar. And so I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. What song will he play? Stranglehold? I mean, some of y'all might not know this stuff, but... He had an acoustic guitar, so I know he couldn't rip stuff off, you know. But he, he tuned his guitar, and he started playing around with it a little bit. And I, and I, I just thought, what song is this man going to sing? But all the time he's messing with his guitar, he's telling us the story of his relationship with Fred Bear. It's unbelievable. About the impact that Fred Bear had on his life. By the things that Fred Bear taught him and cared for him and, 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 and the advice and life uh, mentoring that Fred Bear sowed in his life, all of his life. I want you to understand something. Ted Nugent began to play a song. Now, he's going to play music for us 1400s. We have a private concert and he gets to pick the song. Of all the songs that he's been singing and writing and playing on stage for hundreds of millions of people all his life around the world, he's going to play a song, but he's only going to play one. And he gets to pick it. The songs that have made him millions of dollars. He's going to play one song for us hunters. One song and one song only. And he played for us a song that he wrote when Fred Bear died. He wrote a song about a man he loved. He wrote a song about a man who mentored him. He wrote a song about a man who guided him through life, spoke hard truths to him. Fred Bear didn't like his music, but he loved Ted. And he sang this song. Personally, I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you hunters may frown at me. I'd never heard this song before. And as I listened to this song, I thought, oh, my word. This man could have played me any song in a private concert. And he decided to sing a song to me that he wrote about a man who discipled him. Oh. I just, I weeped at a rock and roll guy with an acoustic guitar singing me a song about a man who discipled him. He didn't sing Stranglehold. He didn't sing any of those other songs that made him millions of dollars. He didn't bring out a lead guitar and just show us how impressive he could be to rip a guitar apart. He didn't do any of that, church. He sang a song about discipleship. He sang a song about a man who walked with him his whole life. He sang a song about how it ripped his heart out. And the man who mentored him was gone. He sang a song about how he couldn't wait to be on an eternal hunt, an eternal hunt with him in paradise. I was blown away. I, sh I looked at my wife and I said, I cannot believe this. The one song he would pick to sing to us about discipleship. Now, of course, that discipleship was in bow hunting in the outdoor world. And 
I'd already thought about and, and had my wife bring my Bible because I was like, of all the things I could have Ted Nugent sign. I'm going to have Ted Nugent sign my Bible. He, he signed my Bible. I got in line with a couple of things that I had in my hand, as the other hunters did, because he was willing to sign anything he wanted to sign. And I had my Bible that waited for the other guys. Every man there knew I was a pastor because they all asked me to pray for them and the meal and the hunt, and it was great. And I, and I knew I was going to get some feedback, I should say that, from certain people who might say, why would you have Ted Nugent sign your Bible? Because Ted Nugent proved to me that discipleship works. And when I walked up to him, I said, Mr. Ted, I don't know if anyone's ever asked you to sign a Bible before. He looked at me, and he, just, he didn't say yes or no, he just looked at me. And I said, but I'd like you to sign my Bible. This is my preaching Bible. This is the one I preach with every Sunday. He signed it. And then he said, do you mind if I write on this page? Now, I saw him sign hundreds of items while we were there, guns and stuff. And I'm sure some of those guys are going to go back and sell those guns. He walked over to a guy's Ford F-150 and signed his dashboard. Like, but this symbol is the symbol of his hunting show. It's a, it's a man with a spear. It's called Spirit of the Wild. You might, you might know the hunting show. He didn't draw that symbol on any other thing that he signed. He said, do you mind if I write on this page? I was like, no, sir. It's fine. And he drew this symbol. And he says, you and I are now blood brothers in Christ. Now, you can argue about whether Ted Nugent is saved or not. That's not up to me or you. That's between him and God. But he handed my Bible to me and he said, pray for my wife. She is on the board of directors for Christians for Trump. And I didn't know that. Um, but anyway, that's my story. And I did get to bring back a nice pig. Um, and Bo beat me, though. He got a big old 300-pounder. Uh, but what a trip. And I, I told my wife, if I, if I don't walk away from here with anything else but a dead pig and meat in the freezer... I walk away with the confidence that Ted Nugent proved to me that discipleship works. He finished his song, and he looked at every hunter that sat around that campfire. With tea. He brought out his handkerchief, and he was wiping the tears away from his face. And he said, every one of you men need a Fred Bear in your life. Who's your mentor? I was just like, what am I doing here? What is Ted Nugent? And all of his colorful, sometimes you got to weed through the mud. And I told my wife on the ride home, I said, I wonder how much colorful language Jesus set through in order to hear the heart of a man or a woman 
set with prostitutes and wine-bibbers, and I'm sure language in their day had its own colorful twist. I may not talk like that. And I told my wife, I said, but there's one thing I'm confident in this whole thing. Ted Nugent doesn't care what you think about him. And a man who doesn't care what you think about him is a man who will never lie to you. I said, I'm confident Ted Nugent did not lie to me when he told me discipleship works. Brilliant. Thank, thank you to everyone who helped me have that experience and receive the confidence from the Lord that we've been doing it right the whole time. And we're more committed to it than ever before. And who knows what God will do. Amen? That's a little story. Turn to Genesis chapter 5. Um, I want to walk you through a children's story. About a man that the Bible doesn't say a whole lot about. So this is Children's Stories Part 2, and I've just titled it Walk Like a Man. Ladies, don't get offended. Oh, Lord, here we go. Let me get some email. Verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Anybody know who Methuselah is? Uh, you heard about that guy probably a lot. Uh, interesting thing about Methuselah, he's the uh, man who lived the longest recorded history. And uh, David Campbell does a teaching on his life uh, about what his name means and that the flood of Noah could not actually happen or begin until Methuselah died. Because Methuselah's name meant uh, a particular thing that held back the wrath of God. Uh, and once Methuselah died, then the rains came. You just have to walk through it. I, I'm not that Bible teacher for you this morning. Uh, but it, it, it'll blow your mind. So when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. And he had other sons and daughters. And thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Let's pray. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everyone said, let, let, let me give you the children's version. You ready? Are you ready? Come on. Here we go. All right. Our parents love this. Here's our parents love us very much. And they tried to teach us to grow up to be people that they, they could one day be proud of. This is the children's story. Your parents love you so much. They want you to grow up in such a way that one day they can be proud of. Let me prove it to you. Like one day, way back in the Old Testament, there was a daddy who tried to do this very same thing with his kids. His name was Enoch, and he was the father of Methuselah. You know who Methuselah is, right? He lived the longest. He's the oldest man to ever live. But Methuselah, uh, Enoch was also the great-grandfather to Noah. Interesting thing. And Noah was such a righteous man uh, that God chose him out of all of the people in the world to build the ark. Think about this. Methuselah and Noah grew up to be great men of God because of their walk, because they watched the walk of Enoch. Because the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. 
Methuselah became a great man of God because he watched his dad walk with God. Noah became a great man of God because he watched his great-grandfather walk with God. This is the children's version. Y'all don't get too excited. The one thing Enoch liked to do above everything else was walk with God. And Enoch walked with God so much that one day they walked so far that God told Enoch, you know what, it's way too far to go back now. Why don't you just walk on with me into heaven? And so Enoch went up to heaven with God and he never died. Don't you want to walk with God? That's the children's version. <laughs> I'm teaching children's church next week. Is that all right? Okay. Let's go a little bit deeper. Shall we? Watch this. Genesis 5 is an incredible chapter. And if you're a Bible student, you will understand. And maybe you've never heard this phrase before, this term before. But Genesis 5 is the graveyard chapter of the Bible. Sure it is. It's the graveyard chapter of the scripture, right? It says Adam lived 930 years and he... It says Seth lived 912 years and he... It says to us that Enosh lived 905 years and he... On and on and on and on and on. Genesis chapter 5 tells us these men lived and they died. It's the graveyard chapter in the scripture. Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do, but... Here we are, walking through the graveyard. Eight men listed in this chapter. They all lived a long time. They all had, had a bunch of kids, and they all died. This is the graveyard chapter. Everybody dies, all except one. Enoch didn't die. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. You know, down through our ages, if you really just listen or, or read anything about history, uh, there's been, uh, you watch movies or read stories of those type of things, there's always this theme or this idea of the fountain of youth. Right? Like, I actually believe the conquistadors were actually traveling around and, and looking, right? This is what their adventure was. They got to find, the, am I right, history teacher? They're looking for the fountain of youth, right? Aaron Hartung is our history teacher. Great. I love it, right? I got history, uh, you know, things going on here. It's great. That was, their, that was their whole, they're looking for the fountain of, of youth, a way to live forever. And I, I recently read, I read about this fad uh, among uh, some rich and famous people. For $8,000, these rich and famous people could go to a company and have a procedure done that is called parobiosis. And what parobiosis is, is they take plasma from teenagers and inject it into old people. And the old people were hoping that this would make them more youthful. Eight grand a pop. And they, I mean, there's a waiting list, years long, for this, this money, for these particular things. And, and the purpose is to revitalize their body parts, to, to add years to their lives. There's, there's a company called Ambrosia that does this. And uh, it's, it's incredible. In Europe... There's actually a company who will completely, completely change the oil in your life. They will drain out all your old blood and put in all new blood for you. 
They hook you up to a machine. As they pump out the old blood, they pump in the new blood. It, it's literally a procedure. Now, it's expensive, and people do this. Why? Because they're trying to live forever. They're trying to figure out what it means. Now, Enoch didn't have to do anything like that. Living forever, these people pay good money. Living forever did not cost Enoch one red penny. I mean, there weren't any red pennies back then, but anyway. It did cost him something, though. What did he have to pay to live forever? Listen to the scripture in Genesis chapter 5. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Now watch this. Twice in the scripture the Bible emphasizes that Enoch walked with God. Twice in this scripture, Enoch walked with God. Now let me say this to you, and I'm going to put some things up here because I want you to remember we're trying to go deeper than the children's story idea here. Enoch desired to walk with God. It was so impressive to God that Enoch got to live forever. But was that it? Is that all? Come on, church. All Enoch had to do was walk with God? That doesn't sound very impressive at all. I mean, he's not... He's not building any nations. He's not falling any giants. He's not conquering any walls. He's not, come on church. What is so remarkable about this? It helps as Bible students. You don't have to be in Bible college to be a Bible student. But it helps. Sorry, that's a different story altogether. God has always put a premium on walking with him. Let me point it out to you. God has always put a premium on walking with him. Watch this. When God chose Noah to build an ark in Genesis chapter 6, 9, the Bible says that Noah was a just man and perfect in his generation, and Noah walked with God. I don't have a trick Bible. It's right in there. Genesis 17, 1, right? The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. In 1 Kings 9 and 4 and 5, God spoke to Solomon and said, And as for you, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, with integrity of heart and uprightness, doing according to all that I've commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. And in Malachi, we're told that Levi walked with God. God has always put a premium on walking with him. God is always, it's not just Enoch. We, we just know a little bit about this man. That he just walked with God. He's Methuselah's dad and he's Noah's great grandfather. And he walked with God so much, so far, that one day they walked too far and couldn't go back. The point is this, church. The most important thing to God appears to be that we walk with him. That's probably why Enoch was included as the second guy in the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. He's the number two. He did the one thing God deeply desires from us all. Walk with God. 
I said he did the one thing God deeply desires. I don't know if you get it, church, but God wants to do more than just save your soul from damnation. It's a, it is, we have burnt it to a crisp to the fact that we are numb to it and calloused over it that God wants to have a relationship with us. God wants to relationally walk with us. And God will weed through the mud of the colorful language of our life in order to discover our heart. Oh, y'all, y'all, I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's do this. Let's give ourselves the children's version of the definition of this. After all, it's children's stories. Y'all relax. In the children's version of walking God, it just simply means spending time with God. And the more time you spend with God, the better it is. And we're, we're not just about showing up on Sunday, first church service or Sunday school. But our desire is to spend time with God throughout the week, reading our Bible and praying and thinking on the things of the kingdom of God and how we can serve God and those type of things. I mean, think about it this way. This is the children's version. Think about a close friend that you like to be on the phone with all the time. I, I often think about my wife and my daughter having an incredibly close relationship, so much so sometimes that I'm just like, like, they will spend all day together, wherever they will be, in a car, all around. And one of them will drop the other one off at the house, whoever's car was right. And then they will call each other on the ride home. My wife will walk in the house on the phone with Malin after she just spent 12 hours with her in person. I'm like, who are you talking to, Malin? Were you guys just together? Yes. What could you possibly need to talk about now? Love you. (laughs) And I was talking to Brian one day about it, and he's like, let me give you a little piece. I know you're the dad and you're the wisdom of the, and I just like, we want to take all the advice from you, but I, I just feel like impressed by the spirit of God at this moment to give you a piece of advice. Don't get in the way of that. <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> I was like, I, I received that in the name of Jesus. He said, I'm just trying to protect you, man. Like that, like it's a friend you can't get enough of being around. That's the children's verse. Just want to be around them all the time. They slept over at your house last night. You want to sleep at their house tonight, right? Like this is the way it is, right? You're always, always together, those type of things. That's what walking with God looks like. Oh, let's go a little deeper. Y'all not ready? If I'm going to walk with God... I have to agree to walk the same path he's walking on. Now you can say amen to me right there. If I'm going to walk with God, I'm walking with him. He's not walking with me. If I'm going to walk with God, I'm walking on his terms and his directions to his destination. If I'm going to walk with God, come on people, I've got to agree to walk on the same path he does. Let me violate you with a children's story. What paths are we walking on that God is not? Oh, hello somebody. God won't walk down the path of willful sin. 
you're walking down a path God ain't walking on. God won't walk down the path of unforgiveness. You're walking down a path God ain't walking on. God won't walk down a path that doesn't lead us into his kingdom. For his purpose and for his glory. God's not walking down that path. I, I want you to understand something here this morning. I, I, I've been called everything from a, 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 a oozy grace guy to a legalistic guy. So I, I just want you to understand, I don't want to hesitate to preach to you the full counsel of God. There are some places and some paths that you and I, who say we love God and are walking with God, are walking down some paths God himself ain't going to walk down. He ain't going that way. You go down that path, you're going to go by yourself. Don't mean they don't love you. Hello, somebody. But I have more Christians walking in my office expect me to agree with them and condemn God because the Scripture is anti the path they want to walk down. Yeah, but Jesus loves me. Yeah, he sure does. And that's exactly why he won't walk down that path, right? Because there's a way, there's a way, there's a way that seemeth right unto men, but the end thereof is... God ain't walking down that path because the path God is walking on leads to life and abundant life. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Then he looked at his disciples and said, follow me. Yeah. And that's, as Christians, we need to really start processing this stuff. Are there paths in my life that I am walking down that God is not? And stop justifying your willful sin, your willful rebellion. Your life will get better when you walk on God's... Mr. Hollowpoint, who makes the lead for the the guns that we've been shooting, these air guns, it's a specialty thing. He he has the molds. He does so... uh, Bo, Bo and I order lead from him. I never met this guy. Bo's talked to him on the phone. He's an interesting guy, and he's kind of... He's a neat fella. But we got there, and he set this whole thing up, and we got there at the hotel, and, and we were in the lobby, and we got to meet Mr. Hollow Point. He's very famous for this. And there are some barrels for these weapons that are designed that you can't purchase if it doesn't come through him. He's a very unique guy. He just lives in Indiana, just a little ways away. And... When, when Bo introduced him to me, he said, oh, this is the pastor that you guys wanted to bring on the trip. And you know the first thing Mr. Hollipoint said to me? He said, you know what, Pastor Don? Years ago, my marriage was in trouble. It was a wreck. Let me tell you why it was a wreck. Because financially, I was out of control. And he said, me alone, not my wife and, combined, and us combined, and not everything that we owed. I alone owed $157,000 in credit card debt. And I was about to lose my marriage. And someone introduced me to a guy named Dave Ramsey. And Financial Peace University. And it changed my life. It changed my marriage, and God has been good to me. What? Like, and I told him, 
I said, every year, January through March or wherever, we, we host Financial Peace University. It's the best thing. And I told him, I said, not only has it transformed people in our life, but it's transformed our whole church. And he said, now I get to do what I want to do. Oh, is it, yeah, I got to move on here. What? He said, I wasn't walking down the path of financial freedom with God. I couldn't be a giver. I couldn't share because everything was about me. Oh, come on, somebody. This guy didn't know what I was preaching today. What path are we walking on? You ever seen a person walking a dog, and they got that dog that is completely obedient on the leash. That dog stays right next to their left leg, and if they stop, the dog stops, right? If they walk, the dog walks, right? And everywhere they move, that dog is right there. And you're like, wow. The dog moves with the master. You can let go of the leash, and if the, if the master stops, boop, the dog stops. If the master turns around, and it got a hold of the leash, the dog is just right there. You ever seen those dogs? Man, they're incredible, right? Yeah, we tried. <laughs> My wife owns a spaz. That's the problem is she can't help herself. Ah, she's a good dog, and she does it most of the time until squirrel happens. You ever seen those dogs that someone's tried to walk? And the dog is out there, behind there, around the legs, wrapping the leash around everything. You ever seen those dogs, right? The, the dog's not walking on the same path with the master. Oh, come on, don't. What you doing to Jesus? A dog's not walking with his master. The dog's trying to walk the master. The dog's not interested in where the master's going. The dog's only interested in where he wants to go. And with everything in his might, he's pulling, tugging, causing all kind of chaos and trouble. And it causes him pain. See, listen, you're going to walk down some paths with God. And you're going to experience, or without God. And then you're going to experience some pain and blame God. And God's going, negative. I am walking down that path. Amos 3.3 says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? If you're going to walk with God, you have to agree to go where he goes. You got to burn some ships. You got to burn some bridges. You got to burn some places so you can't go back. Sometimes you got to give yourself the only option I have is to walk down this path. The, more, the faster you do that, the better your life's going to be. Don't give yourself any other option but to walk with God. Peter went back fishing after Jesus died. Let me tell you why. Because he didn't burn that boat when he first started following Jesus. For three and a half years, he left that boat in the harbor with his nets in it as plan B in case this path don't work out. You can't walk with Jesus that way. Hello, somebody. I got a call from a guy one day. I wanted to ask some questions about God. I loved it, right? Because I loved, I'll, I'm like, listen, I'll just, I'll debate the scripture. I don't mind that. I'll talk to you about those things. And I tell people all the time, I will answer your question from the Bible as long as you are willing to accept a biblical answer. But if all you want to do is argue and fuss, I got other things to do. And this guy had some questions about the scripture because they confused him. He said he was a Christian. And the more we got to talking, the more obvious it was why he was confused. 
it wasn't that he was confused about the scripture. It was that he didn't like what the scripture had to say. And so I said, brother, there's no confusion here. <laughs> You're just rejecting the word of God. No, brother. No, he didn't want to walk with God. He wanted God to walk with him. Eternity's at stake. Enoch walked with God and was not. Eternity was at stake. Are you with me, church? You don't want to walk with God. You want God to walk with you. You'd be very quite content with God if God would just agree to your terms, right? This guy was like a dog who didn't want to go where his master wanted to go. How do we change directions when we find ourselves walking down a path that God is not walking on? Why do we change directions when we come to the revelation that I've been walking without God the whole time I thought I was walking with Him? How do I change directions when I realize that I've been justifying willful sin? How do I change directions? Remember, just relax. This is just a children's story. You're not supposed to get violated by it. In order for us to walk with God, we've got to decide to let God be in control. I was talking to a guy one time who wanted to get baptized. And he had some real questions, and I appreciated it. And, and so uh, he wanted to get baptized, and we went through these things, right? Like, hey, do you believe that Christ is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe that you're a sinner and that only Jesus and his blood can remove your sins? Yes. Now we're getting close. But then I got to this idea of Jesus as Lord. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. And I explained to him that this meant that he had to surrender his life and the control of his life to God. But see, the problem was the only way he knew things would go his way is if he kept control. I mean, after all, God might just mess things up. He didn't want to trust God to take care of things. What this young man didn't understand is it's in rejecting the ownership of his life to God, he was missing out on the blessing God wanted to bring into his life. What this young man didn't understand is that in rejecting God's ownership of his life, he was rejecting the blessings God wanted to bring into his life, peace. Love, a sound mind. Come on, church. He's rejecting all those things. Is this you? Have you been rejecting God's ownership of your life? Let me help you out this morning. The Bible says that you are not your own, that you are bought with a price. That Jesus ransomed you. Come on, church. You are not your own. You belong to God. You, you, remember, you remember the 23rd Psalm? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. You know what that's saying? You know what that's saying? Come on, this is just a children's story. Calm down. 
It's saying that when I walk with God, I can walk through the darkest things in life. When I walk with God, I can walk through the scariest things in life. When I walk with God, I can walk through the valleys. And I can walk unafraid. I can walk with boldness and liberty. I can walk with freedom and anointing. All the things that are around me that want to take me. No, they can't take me because I belong to God. And what belongs to God, He takes care of. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I will fear no evil because I belong to Him. It's just Psalms 23. But Jeremiah 6. Oh, the ancient paths. And Jeremiah 6, 16 says, Stand by the road and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it. Oh, and find rest for your soul. Come on, church, we've been walking down some paths. Come on, church. And we've been trying to stay in control. And we don't want to live it up to God. We don't want to let God lead and guide. We don't want to surrender our whole life to Him. But we're walking with God. We're walking with God. We're walking with, as long as it's convenient. As long as God's going the way I want to go. And come on, church, as long as it's easy. As long as it helps me find comfort. As long as it doesn't violate who I am. Right? I want to walk with God, right? And that's why when we start to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have the confidence that God is with us. Because we know in our heart we ain't been walking with God. We've been demanding that God walks with me. Come on, church. You ever had problems sleeping because you were so troubled in your mind? Hello, somebody. Wrestling all night long, stirring in your spirit all night long, go over and over and over and over those things. Worry about the things that we can't change. Worry about the things that we can never resolve. But if you walk with God, it means you've committed yourself to turning all that stuff over to Him. Let Him worry about it. I was so aggravated about something one day, couldn't sleep over it. Finally, after a third glass of milk in the middle of the night, I said, God, if you can't deal with this, neither can I. And God's like, I wondered when you'd get that. You can go back to bed now if you like. Jeremiah says you can find rest for your soul. Now how do I know if I'm walking with God? What, what's the measuring stick that I can use to discover how well I'm doing it? I'm doing it right and those type of things. Can I, can I just be, it, 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 I, I know we're trying to go deeper, but sometimes you, the simplest things are the most deepest. Galatians chapter 5 verse 25 says, If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What does that mean? I remember walking in the Spirit. I pray in tongues everywhere I go. If when I walk in a room and there's a demon in the room, the hair on my neck stands up, well, I'm walking in the Spirit. There's a devil loose. Let me help you out. There's a devil loose everywhere. There's probably not a place you don't go where there ain't a demon around. He's trying to kill, steal, and destroy. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it isn't. 
We are born into a war. It's a spiritual battle. Come on, church. How do I know if I'm walking in the spirit? Do I get the, do I get the Holy Ghost goosies? The Pentecostal pimps? Ooh, look at that. I got the... Fruit of the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we'll walk in the fruits of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such there is no law talking to uh michael williston the other day he's at my house i said how's football going he's like i'm a little frustrated with a lack of playing time i said be faithful man i said because you know what sometimes coach isn't looking for the most talented guy he's looking for the guy i can count on be faithful go to practice Work hard. When you feel like you're not working hard enough, work harder. When you feel like you've worked too hard, work harder, man. Be that guy. Be first in line. Be last to the water jug. Come on. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. You never know what's going to happen. The guy in front of you might get hurt. And your name gets called. When it gets called, regardless of whether you're better than the guy behind you or next to you, or the, you're, you're, maybe you're not quite as good as that guy, and he gets you, you've got to be ready when your name is called. And you're not ready if you're not faithful before your name is called. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Be faithful. Be faithful. See, the more we walk with God, the more we'll sense the presence of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Ooh, church, come on. Self-control, that's the last one. Hello, somebody. And amen if we all don't need some more of that. I need a big dose of that today, Jesus, because I'm about to go off. One John says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. If we walk in the light, if we walk, come on church. So I'm walking with God. I'm not walking in darkness and I won't practice evil. I won't practice evil. Next time there's trouble in your life, ask yourself this question. Was the path I was walking on before I experienced this trouble a path I was walking on with God or was I walking on this by myself? Come on. Jesus said while we live in this world, we shall have tribulations. I get it. Right? But anything worth having is worth fighting for. So don't, don't fuss about a fight. Especially if it's something you want. Don't fuss about a fight. Hello, church. Through the Spirit is proof I'm walking with God. I'm on church. 
But Pastor Don, when do I start walking with God? When do I start walking with God? When do I start walking with God? Like after I've been a Christian for a couple of years or, or maybe I need to take a few classes about walking with God so I know what I'm doing? No. Watch this. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. I love this. All of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized into his death. And we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. It's a new path. Uh, Jeremiah said, ask for those ancient paths. See, it may be an ancient path, but it might be new to you. Ask for it, ask for it, ask for it. And walk in it, and you'll find rest. Come on, church. When I became a Christian, I died to my past sins. We were buried in the graveyard of baptism. Come on, church. When I rose from that baptistry, I rose to walk with God. I remember that day. The three of us, T.C. was a little guy then, but the three of us got baptized together. Calvary Temple Worship Center in Chipley, Florida. And I rose, I was walked, I walked with God. And I'll never forget those phrase, that phrase that Pastor Rick said when I came out of the water. I heard it. And I have used it since every time I have done a baptism. Arise and walk. And newness of life. Come on, church. Start walking with God right away. Now, we might mess some things up along the way. Come on. Sometimes you can be walking down a smooth floor and triple beyond feet. Like, what happened? Like, I, I, you know, I was picking on my wife one day. She kind of walking around tripping. I was like, hey, you got a new pair of shoes or trying on a new pair of feet? I don't know. What what's going on there? She's like, <laughs> what happened? hilarious uh, once you get a taste of walking with God let me tell you something nothing else will satisfy it I want to tell you right now church when I tasted walking with God I, I didn't want anything else I had no desire for anything else and, and I don't know I, I can only imagine I don't know much about Enoch he was Methuselah's dad and Noah's great-grandfather, and he walked with God so far, so long, that one day God just said, hey, it's too far to go back, man. I'm tired. Let's go. Ain't you tired? Now I'm walking with you, Jesus. Come on. And I was just like, that's what it means. Just to walk with God that one day, whether I lay this flesh down and walk on out of it with God, hello, somebody, or I live until Jesus calls me home out of this flesh and I just walk on with him, it don't matter. I'm going to walk with God. And I don't do it perfect. If you're looking for the perfect pastor, you got the wrong one because every once in a while, there's a little Ted Nugent in me. Just... In the name of Jesus, hello, somebody. I just sometimes just want to kill stuff and eat it. I don't know, right? Like, whatever walks under the tree, that's getting it tonight. I don't know what's so ungodly about that. <laughs> I forgot to mention one last thing to you. Come on. The most important thing I could tell you 
You remember the reward of Enoch? What he got for walking with God? You remember? Come on, it's all right. Go back to the child's story. What happened? He didn't die. Mm. He didn't die. He got eternal life. Do we have that promise? Can we get eternal life? 